Romans chapter 6, 1. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live it in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may, have, uh, we may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Erica. If you have a Bible, you, you might like to keep it open uh, because we'll be looking at that passage that Erica has just uh, read to us from, from Romans 6. Let's pray uh, as we come to God's Word. Uh, Father God, we, we thank you so much again for the privilege of seeing these young people being baptised and confirmed, um, for witnessing uh, the decision that they've made uh, and to uh, confirm that they want to change, that their, their lives have been changed and that they want to now live for you. We pray, Father, that you would speak to us as we think about the meaning of baptism and what it might mean for our lives. We pray that your spirit might be at work in Jesus' name. Amen. Can anyone remember that photo? No, I got, I got blank looks. I'm sure some of you can. Uh, it was from January 2016 when a Taiwanese K-pop star called Zhou Ziyu wave caused a huge uproar by waving a Taiwanese flag along with a Korean flag. Chinese social media exploded. So much pressure was put on her that she was forced to make a public apology on, uh, I think, Korean TV and make a video for, for the Chinese media uh, as well. On the other side of the Taiwanese Straits, though, it, it it equally caused an uproar, but this time because of China's reaction. And many people believe that the national elections that were held a couple of days later uh, were actually influenced by, um, by that incident. Uh, the pro-independence pro party gained a lot of support from Taiwanese angry uh, 
at China forcing Zhu Yu to make this apology. Now you may be wondering, well, what's the big deal? What's all this fuss about just waving a flag? Well, it's because of what it represents. When I wave an Aussie flag, it says I identify myself as an Australian, that I'm proud to be connected with my country uh, and its people and the culture. It's a very powerful symbol, isn't it? that says a lot about who we are and where we belong. Today, we're looking at a symbol that's much more powerful than just waving a flag. We've just witnessed five young people who have decided to show their identity, not by waving a flag, but by being baptised and confirmed. Ivy, Hamish, Douglas, Jeff and Mark have announced publicly that they are leaving behind their old way of life and living a completely new life. A life that is now joined with Jesus and that changes everything about the way they live now as well as their future with God in the new creation to come. Today we're going to be looking at that passage, as I mentioned in Romans 6, that talks about what baptism is about. In Romans 6, Paul is responding to a question that I think we all ask um, at, at some point if we're a follower of Jesus, and that is, doesn't matter how I live. If I'm saved, already saved by grace, by what Jesus has done, then why can't I live however I want? The whole of the book of Romans so far has been an explanation of the wonderful truth that Jesus died to make us right with God. Why we were lost. We were under God's anger, dead because of our rebellion against, against God, because of our sin. We were totally powerless to help ourselves, completely unable to get ourselves right with God. But then Jesus saved us through his death on the cross. In chapter 5, Paul has just finished saying that sin and death used to reign in our lives, but now God's grace, his undeserved favour, reigns through what Jesus has done. And that brings us to our passage today. I want to talk about four points, and they're on the bulletin if you want to follow along there. Otherwise, you can just listen. The four points about the meaning of baptism. Number one, baptism is about dying with Jesus. Two, baptism is about being freed from slavery. Three, Baptism is about conquering death and four, baptism is about being alive to God. Let's get into our first point. Baptism is about dying with Jesus. And we're looking at verses 1 to 4 from Romans 6 here. Paul starts off by responding to those who would say, as I mentioned a moment ago, that it doesn't matter how we live. Or even saying that maybe we should keep on sinning so that it shows God's grace in our lives even more. How does Paul respond? That's ridiculous, he says. That's a ridiculous argument. And the reason why is that as Christians, we are already dead to sin. And that's what these four brothers and one sister in Christ have just declared publicly. They are done with sin. They have turned away from it. Because being a Christian isn't just someone who follows Jesus. It's having, having faith in Jesus means much more than that it means having our lives joined with Jesus our past is joined with him our present 
and our future. Have a look at verse 3 with me from uh, Romans 6. Don't you know that all of us who were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? Being baptised into Jesus means having our lives wrapped up in him, being joined with him. That, that means we join with him in his death. Let me try to explain. So today we witnessed Hamish, Ivy and Doug go down into the water. I could have put their heads completely under, um, but yeah, I, I, had, I was a bit, um, bit gracious to them in not doing that. But it represents going under the water and a kind of dying. When people drown, they go underwater and then they can't get up, can they? Baptism represents a kind of spiritual drowning. It represents death. When I was eight years old, our family went on a family holiday to a place called Yapoon uh, on the Queensland central coast. Uh, one day we booked a, a, a cruise to uh, a place on the southern part of the Great Barrier Reef called Great Keppel Island. Uh, it was May. Uh, for Queensland, it was a particularly cold day. It was miserable. Um, it, was, it was rainy. Um, it was windy. Uh, the surf was, was, was big. Um, now, our boat had a thing called a boom net, which was a pole that went out from the boat, and attached to that pole was a net. And you could go out on that pole and you kind of body surfed as you held on. Uh, to the net as the boat went through the water. Now, in his wisdom, my dad suggested, thought this was a great day to go boom net riding. We were the only ones who did it. Um, so what better to do than, than to go on the boom net and take your eight-year-old son, that is me, uh, with him. So on we clam off we clamber uh, onto, onto the boom net with great fear and trepidation on my part. And sure enough, no sooner had I grabbed onto that rope than I was washed under by the surf and hanging on for dear life and I was drowning and I had to be rescued. Uh, it, it was miserable. I really thought that I was going to die. And after I'd been rescued, I was sold into the wounds. I lost my dax, my swimmers got washed away in the surf. I had to walk back naked through the whole boat in front of everybody back to my seat. The point of the story, yes, there is a point, is that I, as I got swallowed up by the waves, death seemed like a very real possibility. I was terrified. Baptism represents death by going under the water. The old self goes under and dies, and then a new self comes comes up out of the water. That's what Paul says in verse 4. Have a look at verse 4. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So here Paul is describing the reality of being joined with Jesus. We are buried with him and then just as he was raised, we too are also raised with him. So baptism is a powerful symbol of the reality that our lives are now joined, bound up with Jesus. They are bound up in his death and now they are bound up in his life. And Paul's point in this section is that our old self has died along with Jesus. Verse 2 
our old ways of sin and living in rebellion against God have also died because Jesus has died. He has died to those things. He died to defeat those things. He needed to die because we could not do that ourselves. We have no power to defeat sin in our lives. We have no ability to make ourselves right with God. Only Jesus could do that because he was the only perfect man who ever lived. And as well as that, Jesus is also God himself. Jesus is uniquely qualified to be able to deal with our sin, to die for our sin. And what baptism shows us is that our life is now connected with Jesus' life. It's tied up with his, bound up in his life. It's a bit like when we identify with a sporting team. I don't know what sport you follow, maybe um, NBA or um, um, soccer. Uh, I, I like rugby league. Um, and I, um, sadly, I have had the misfortune this year of being a St George supporter. Um, I've had precious little to cheer about, don't you laugh, Steve? I've had precious little to cheer about this year. But in the few moments when St George has done well, I might say, we played really well. Or we deserved that win. Now, I had no part at all in, my, in the tries that were scored in that win. I contributed nothing to it. And we contribute nothing to what Jesus has done for us. But when we become a Christian, we are joined with him, so what he has done now applies to us. The power of sin and death was defeated on the cross, and that now applies to us. Sin is dead in us. It no longer rules over us. Now you may say, well, actually, that's not really my experience. You might say, wait a minute, Marshall, every day I still struggle with my sin. I struggle with with anger and lust and selfishness. What do you mean sin is dead in us? Well, what Paul is doing isn't describing that everyday reality because, yes, we all do still daily struggle with sin. What Paul is describing is how God sees us. It's our position. He sees that when God looks at Ivy, he sees all her sin paid for by Jesus. Not because, of, because Ivy is particularly good, it's because of what Jesus has done. He knows that Jesus has done all the work needed to pay for her sin and my sin on the cross. And so for all of us who trust in Jesus, that's a fixed, certain reality. We are dead to sin. As surely as Jesus bled on that cross and he was taken down and buried in the tomb. No matter how much you still struggle with sin, that's what we are in God's eyes. Dead to sin. And so Paul is saying that if that old life as a sinner is now dead and buried, it's ridiculous to talk about going on sinning. It's like digging, digging up that old self and that old life and giving it mouth to mouth and trying to give it a new life. Well, Paul goes on in our second section. Seems to have lost. A... Is it working? Yep, there we go. Second section, baptism is about being freed from slavery. 
Paul continues on here with a picture of being united with Jesus in his death. His point is in verse 5. Have a look at it with me. For if we have been united with him, that's Jesus, in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. Jesus' resurrection shows, rising from the dead, shows that he, God is pleased with what Jesus has done. He is satisfied with his work on the cross. In other words, it shows that he has completely paid for our sin. He was raised from the dead and he now sits with his father at the right hand of God, ruling over everything as king. And Paul is saying that just as surely as Jesus defeated death uh, and he lives, then so will we. Because remember, our lives are bound up in Jesus. Because our future is shared with him. If, because God, God is pleased with his son by what he did on the cross and he's also pleased with us. Not because we're good people, not because we're good or lovable, no, but because he sees us through Jesus. Our future is bound up with Jesus. And that future is one where we have freedom. Freedom from slavery to sin. Our old self has died, verse 6. He was crucified on the cross with Jesus. So that, in verse 6, the body of sin might be done away with. And have a look at the next part, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Here Paul has moved on from who we are in God's eyes, our position in Christ as being, as being dead to sin, dead to our old lives, to our ongoing everyday experience as Christians who day by day, moment by moment, strive to do away with sin and that old, old self in our lives. Bit by bit, each little decision, one after the other, to make choices not to sin. To de develop habits of not being enslaved by sin. It's a little bit like what happened in World War II. You may know the story of uh, how the Allies landed on the beach at Normandy on the 6th of June, 1944. From that moment, the outcome of World War II was decided. Germany was fighting a war on two fronts and the final outcome was never in doubt from that point. But Germany kept on fighting. Even though the final outcome was never in doubt, they didn't officially surrender till almost 12 months later on the 7th of May 1945. They kept fighting. Sin and death is defeated in us. That's a sure, certain outcome. It's already been fixed by what Jesus has done. But we still battle it, don't we, in our everyday lives. And we're not going to stop struggling with, with our selfishness, selfishness and anger and pride, this side of the new creation. Paul lives in that reality. He knows that. And so he urges us not to let those old ways control us. Don't be a slave to it, he says. How do you do that? Paul talks in other places about the importance of being disciplined, about being single-minded, 
about making every effort not to sin. But most of all, the message of Romans gives us the key by understanding what Jesus has done for us. Let the reality of that soak into our bones to be utterly convinced that we are sinners who have nothing to offer God, but despite that, he has died for us, paid the price for us, done everything we need to be saved with an unexplainable with an un uncom uh, uncomprehensible love. And when we grip by that, sin loses its power. It no longer binds us in slavery. We freed from its bondage. So baptism is about dying to our old self and our old life. It's about joining with Jesus in his death. And just as Jesus died to do away with sin, we are also to do away with our sin in our day-to-day -day lives and no longer be enslaved by it. Third point, Paul moves on in the next section, verses 8 to 10, to tell us that baptism is about conquering death. Once again, he reminds us in verse 8 that because we died with Christ, there is coming a time when we will also live with him. His resurrection in the past guarantees our future resurrection and our life with him. And then he gives a reason why the future is a sure thing, why it's guaranteed. Have a look with me in verse 9. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. And then verse 10, the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Jesus died to sin. Normally we think of him dying for sin, meaning that he died to deal with it, to pay for it, and, and that is true. But here Paul seems to be saying it in the sense that he's done with sin. Now, we know that Jesus was sinless, so it cannot mean that he has turned away from sin in his own life and now he's stopped sinning. But what I think it means is the idea that the effects of sin in Jesus' life, including the suffering he underwent, the injustice, the persecution, and, and the worst of it all, his rejection and suffering as he died on the cross, those things have now been put behind him. Why? Because verse 10, he did deal with it once and for all. He did destroy the power of sin and the power of death on the cross. And here we come back to the idea of us being joined with Jesus. The focus of this section is what Jesus did in his death. He died once for all, once for us, and now he now lives and end of verse 10, he lives to God. And because he's disarmed death, he's made it a toothless tiger. It no longer has any power. And verse 9, because of that, death no longer has any mastery over him. He lives never to die again with all his enemies, sin, Satan, death itself, now crushed beneath his feet. And what does this mean for us? Well, Paul says at the beginning of this section in verse 8 that if we died with Christ, we will also live with him. So remember, we share in what Jesus has done, what he has done 
also applies to us. So if Jesus has mastery over sin and death, then so do we. We benefit from Jesus disarming death. Death no longer has mastery of Jesus, so death no longer has mastery over us. Think about that for a minute. In our society, we are more able to control and manipulate life for our comfort and happiness than at any other time in history. We have the ability to ease discomfort and create pleasure. But the one thing we have absolutely no control over is death. It's the one thing that threatens to rob us of meaning and happiness and looms over our lives like a dark cloud. We dread it. We do anything we can to avoid thinking about it. We spend hundreds and maybe thousands of dollars trying to prolong life to avoid it. And because it haunts our lives, we grasp, fight, desperately clawing for every skerrick of pleasure we can out of life. We eat, drink and be merry, for tomorrow we may die. But now death has no mastery over us. Its sting is gone. Instead of grasping for every minute of pleasure we can, we're now freed to live generously, abundantly, because now we live with the one who has died once for all. Isn't that good news, friends? Well, then Paul moves on to our last section, which is also our fourth point. Baptism is about being alive to God. Have a look at verse 11. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. The idea is consider yourselves, use your mind. The, the, the original language is the idea of calculating. Calculate to have the mindset of being dead to sin and alive to God. How are we to do that? Well, Paul goes on to flesh that out. He tells us that we are, what we are not to do and he tells us what we are to do. We are not to let sin reign in our bodies, verse 11. That means not to offer our body parts, our eyes, our hands, our feet to sin, verse 13. Instead, we are to offer ourselves to God and to use those same body parts for righteousness instead of for evil, verse 13. And then Paul finishes off in verse 14 with a concluding statement. For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. Paul hasn't talked about law in this passage up till now, but it has been a prominent theme through the first part of Romans. Paul has consistently linked law, that is the Jewish law they were to obey uh, in, in order to follow God. Paul's consistently linked law with sin because law shows us where we go wrong. It highlights our sin. When people are under, under law, they are also living under the burden of sin because um, it, it shows them um, that they are slaves to sin. But we are free, Paul says, of both those masters. In contrast, we are living under the freedom of grace. As Aussies, we often boast about being free from constraints, don't we? Free from being told what to do. We treasure the idea of being free. 
And even as Christians, we, we, we balk at the idea of self-discipline, of, of having to rein in our natural desires, of, of living with constraints. But what Paul has reminded us here in Romans 6 is that we are all in bondage in our natural state, in slavery to sin. In the words of the great theologian Bob, Bob Dylan, he's saying, you're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Without Christ, we all serve sin. And she's an unforgiving mistress, promising much but never delivering, enslaving us in a grasp. being dragged down by guilt and self-loathing. But when we trust in Jesus, our lives are bound up in him. We die to sin. We have forgiveness and freedom from sin. We have a new hope as we look to Jesus and we share in that life with him and we look forward to the resurrection to come, having eternal life. Today, friends, we've witnessed... Five young people making a powerful statement, waving a spiritual flag. They've made a public declaration that they have died to their old life. They have died to sin. They have joined with Jesus in his death. And they have a wonderful future, which is also your future, if you trust in Jesus, of death having no power over you, because Jesus has died for us. Because of that, Ivy, Hamish, Jeff, Doug and Mark have all said that they are going to live lives for God. And my prayer is that each one of us will join with them in that prayer and in that desire. Amen. Uh, friends, as we invite the band up, uh, we've just heard uh, from God through Marshall uh, just the depth of what we've witnessed, uh, that there is uh, profound significance uh, that in baptism, we're acknowledging that uh, we had, we've died with Jesus, that we've been freed from slavery, death is conquered, and that we are alive to God.